Hi, my name's Ava Colvin, and you're listening to my dad on the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Hey guys, this is Jason with Surely You Can't Be Serious. On this particular episode, we dropped in several musical cues that are specific to the cars or the movies that they're in. But I also dropped in four non-specific musical cues. I'm wondering if you can catch those and see what those are. If you figure out what those are, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, send us an email at shirleypodcastsongmail.com. Let's see if you can figure them out. Thanks a lot. So I'm just a little worried that people aren't going to see the sign. Hey, you can't park that here. Everybody can relax. I found the cars episode. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, where the way we see it, if you're going to make a podcast about cars, why not do it with some style? Oh, there we go. (laughs) There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here for our first in what will we believe be a series of episodes on top five cars. We are restricting ourselves today to movies. We probably will have TV shows coming up, and hopefully at some point we'll do James Bond cars exclusively. But today we are just doing movie cars. I know, and right before we started this episode, I was like, okay, 80 to 89. You're like, nope. I'm like, what? (laughs) What? No, <laughs> do not try to add extra rules, Mr. Rule Breaker. Well, that's okay. I don't need anything outside of the 80s. I've got this. <laughs> so I, I literally, when we're, we're texting back and forth on this, you're like, what are the rules? And I said, um, well. I got to know the rules before I break them, okay? Right, exactly. And I said, so the, the quote was, I would say that we could do the top five cars. And you said, sounds good, except vehicles. And I was like, yes. And then I was like, must have wheels. Right. And then as I'm texting, you're sending a GIF and I'm just, I'm, I know it's coming. And I say, before you even send the GIF, I'm like, now Jason's brain starts trying to figure out how he can bend <laughs> this one rule of it has to have you wheels. You said wheels. And you send me a GIF of Maverick flying an F-150. <laughs> Hey, the F-16 fighter Tomcat has wheels, D. Right. Sorry, he wasn't flying a pickup truck. That was was the wrong kind of F there. (laughs) And you're like, planes have wheels. I'm like, exactly. I knew this what you were going to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, I fully anticipate that Lightning McQueen is going to be one of Jason's choices. I don't know that it is. We haven't talked about our list with each other. Lightning McQueen's not in the 80s, so you're lucky. (laughs) Well, we didn't say it had to be in the 80s. So, anyway, I guess uh, we said no boats, no planes, must have wheels. But beyond that, it can be anything. It can be like primarily for the road, but what makes it the best vehicle is purely our interpretation, right? Okay, D, we've got a lot of Oklahoma listeners. I got to tell you about this podcast that I found that I really enjoy, and the guys are great. They listen to our show. We listen to their show. It's called the Only in Oklahoma podcast. Oh, I love this podcast. Yeah, they travel around. They find these great little hole-in-the-wall restaurants. They recommend a place in Paul's Valley where you said, I eat there all the time. Yeah, when I, I used to work down in Paul's Valley, and they just did an episode on Bob's Pig Shop down there. It is iconic, not only for its food and its decor, its owner, who's actually not Bob, but (laughs) its owner is a guy who like, he's, he's just a little old hippie guy. And he's got, he drives around a Japanese pickup truck that he converted into being able to run off of his old French fry grease. I mean, what? And that particular restaurant is like the hub of the biggest noodling competition in Oklahoma, which is a pretty big thing. Sure. Sure. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great episode that they did. And that is a fun restaurant to go to. If you just happen to be in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. 
That's really cool. So Brett and Harley are good friends over there. Go check out the Only in Oklahoma podcast. So greatest vehicles in movie history, no wings, no boats. Right. And, and no James Bond vehicles. And no James Bond vehicles and no TV cars. We're doing just movies. Right. So And it's as it's going to be, it's going to be mostly 80s movies. So buckle up for some stories of hookers and blow. <laughs> okay, Jason, it's 106 miles to the end of the episode. we got a full tank of gas, a half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Okay, I'm ready to jump in. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. okay. I'm kind of excited about this one. Yes, and, and for if you haven't heard one of our top five episodes before, what we typically do to make this fun is we try to tease it up with a little bit of trivia, try to guess that the other guy's car. So Jason's going to tease this up for me, and I'm going to see if I can guess what it is. Okay, so we go five, four, three, two, honorable mention, honorable mention number one, and that's how we do it. Yep. Okay, so number five. Five. All right, for this vehicle, this is a Stephen King movie. Okay. We have not talked about in our podcast yet. We have not talked about it. Not talked about it. Okay, so this is not the 58 Plymouth Fury from Christine. That's correct. It's not Christine. Let's mark that off the list. Okay. Okay. I've got another couple of ideas in my head. Keep going. Okay, so this was a black-colored white Western Star 4800. It had a trailer that said Happy Toys on it. Okay. The engine is an 8V-71, which means nothing to me. <laughs> right. We are we are not car guys. We are not car We're guys. not car guys. So we're going to say some stuff that even we don't know what it means, but it, it's fun to kind of tease these up. Right. So let me ask this question. Yes. Did this particular vehicle bear the resemblance to a Spider-Man villain? Yes, it did. All right. I must be talking about the semi in... Maximum Overdrive. Yes, absolutely. The Maximum Overdrive Green Goblin Happy Toys truck. They had to get permission from Marvel to have this in the movie. Yeah. Surprisingly, the first time you see Green Goblin is not in a Spider-Man movie. It's in a Stephen King movie. Maximum Overdrive came out in 1986. Stephen King was the director of this movie. He wanted, get this, Bruce Springsteen to be the lead actor in this movie. Wow. Okay, now get this. Wow. Dino De Laurentiis, of course, our, our yeah. good buddy, the Italian <laughs> producer, Dino De Laurentiis, <laughs> yeah. told, told uh, producers, he's like, Stephen wants some unknown actor named Bruce Springsteen to be in this movie. <laughs> He's like, no problem. I get Emilio Estevez. Are you kidding me? We wow. could have had Maximum Overdrive with Bruce Springsteen. I don't think it would have saved the movie. (laughs) Anyway, this truck is basically an unmanned vehicle. It's the villain of the movie. Yeah. Based on a short story by Stephen King called Trucks. This was shot in North Carolina. And basically, the truck is destroyed at the end of the movie by a rocket launcher. (laughs) But some guy found it in a junkyard. Oh, wow. Dug it out, restored it, and now it travels around to Comic-Cons and stuff like that. Fantastic. Great vehicle. Yeah, it's a great one. Very iconic. Not on your list. Not on my list. Okay. 
Yep. All right. So my number five, this vehicle is either 1981 or 1983. Uh, there's some, you know, argument about what it is. As you'll learn when you study movie cars, when they get a car in a movie, they do all kinds of stuff to it that makes you go, wait, 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 which one is this? Right. And you can't tell. But the vehicle itself was produced from 1974 to 1993. This particular model is supercharged, and it's kind of supercharged by the main character. Now, the main character and the main villain are both martial arts icons. They actually wanted Bruce Lee to play the lead villain, but he died. So, they've got a different martial arts icon as the villain in this one. The engine for this thing came in a 318 or a 360. My guess is this was a 360 4x4 produced by the Chrysler Corporation. This is a second gen version, whichever it is, the 81 or the 83. And literally nine days ago from the time that we're recording this podcast, the vehicle producer announced that the name which has been out of use in the U.S. since 1993. The name is returning, but it's returning as a different type of vehicle. It's going to be their plug-in hybrid full-size pickup. You're still clueless, aren't you? I can't get my mind off of Jackie Chan and the Chinese guy <laughs> in the Cannibal Run car. Now, Jackie Chan and this guy, I believe, have been in the same movie. But this movie, I'll give you a little bit bigger of a hint. It was the movie that inspired TV series Walker, Texas Ranger. Still clueless. This is not an iconic movie for a lot of folks. The main good guy carries a 44 Magnum, most yes. powerful handgun in America. But he's not the one that <laughs> it's says that. It's not Clint Eastwood. Okay. It's not Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood and Jackie Chan in... And he has a pet wolf. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Is this Lone Wolf McQuaid? <laughs> you got it, baby. <laughs> yes. And so the vehicle involved is a 1981 or 1983 Ram Charger. My last hint for you was going to be, <laughs> there's one of these parked in your driveway right now because that's what I drive. Wow. I drive a 1993 Ram Charger that my dad bought when I was 17 years old. It's really cool. It's, it, it is a fun car and people, every time I'm driving down the road, people will point because they're like, hey, you never see these anymore. This Dodge Ram Charger was Dodge's answer to the Ford Bronco, the Chevy Blazer, a lot of iconic cars that were the two door SUVs of the day. You just need a pet wolf now, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so the villain in this one is played by none other than David Carradine. Yeah, At yeah. some point they asked Chuck Norris, the lead in this, uh, you know, is David Carradine actually good at martial arts? And his response was, David Carradine is every bit as good a martial artist as I am an actor. That's good. I like it. <laughs> See, Chuck Norris got a sense of humor. That's funny. They didn't use stunt doubles for their fight scene, though. Last fight scene, they said, no, we are going to we are going to really fight each other. We're not going to use stunt doubles in this. And this car, if you're not familiar with the movie, there is an iconic scene where David Carradine beats Chuck Norris senseless with right. his goons, right. throws him in the Ram Charger, right? This is this is Chuck Norris's Ram Charger. Throws him in, pushes him into a hole, yes. buries him in dirt. Yes. You see Chuck Norris inside his 
coffin, right, of the Ram Charger, and to revive himself, he takes a beer <laughs> and pours it over his head, which gives him new life, and then he flips a little switch on his homemade supercharger, and all of a sudden, this Ram Charger plows out of the dirt like a freaking miracle. You sent this clip to me, and I was like, this makes Superman 4 look like the Godfather. It kind of does. It's got to be a canon <laughs> film, right? No, I think this is actually a legitimately good. Like I talked to I talked to Kevin Davis about this, and he was like, "Oh no, that's a great movie. I love that movie. It's not badly ranked, even." It's Pouring the beer on his face to revive him <laughs> was was a little bit much for me. Hey, you've seen the action movies of the eighties, right? <laughs> you've seen the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, right? You've, that's true. You've seen Commando, right? I freaking love Commando. Yeah. So this is if you were a Chuck Norris fan, this would be your Commando. Okay. Awesome. By the way, this movie was rated R because they said the F word twice. Uh-huh. And Chuck Norris went to the ratings board and he said, listen, this is a story where good overcomes evil. It should be rated PG. And they said, we will rate it PG. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Chuck Norris karate kicked the ratings board in the head. By the way, just another car note, they're doing a panoramic like establishing shot of El Paso, and as they're doing it, there's an actual car crash that happens that they caught on film. Really? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. All right. Your turn. All right, D, to my number four. Four. Okay, so when this car came out, the original MSRP, $12,000. Okay. Which is weird because when I find it on the internet, it also tells me that there were only 56 of these manufactured. So that price seems extremely low to me. Yeah, that's that's a little crazy. I have a vehicle that there are only like 56 made and it's like... It's like $15 million. Maybe we should wait and talk about that one later. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. All right. So I'll go to my number four. Okay. This car, I'm going to give it to you right off the bat, is a 1959 Cadillac. Okay. It's Cadillac Eldorado. At the time it was made, it was the most expensive top-of-the-line Cadillac that you could buy. But when they used it in the movie... Is 35 years old. Wait, 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 wait. 1959, so we're talking 94. It was 25 years old. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. 1984, okay. Sorry about that. I, I was informed there would be no math. <laughs> Did that to myself. All right. Early versions of the script for this movie gave it the power of interdimensional travel. Ah, a replica of it recently sold for $80,000, but they picked up the original for only $4,800. Of course, it needed suspension work and shocks, brakes, brake pads, <laughs> lining, steering box, transmission, rear end, maybe new rings, also a muffler, a little wiring. <laughs> well, I'll give you a couple more I hints. A couple, couple more hints. All right, but, but here's, here's your hint. This 1959 Cadillac was modified by the Miller Meteor Sentinel Company into limo-style end loader and used for an ambulance or a hearse. This is the Ectomobile from Ghostbusters. Ectomobile, Ecto-1, baby. Ecto-1. By the way, new Ghostbusters movie coming out next year called Frozen Empire. Excited to see how that goes. Okay. I thought they. I thought Afterlife was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was as good as the original, but it wasn't bad. I thought they did a, a good remake. Yeah, I'd go Ghostbusters 1, 1, Ghostbusters 2, number 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife, number 3, and then the one with the girls, a distant fourth. Yeah. 
and about to be a distant fifth, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So this is the white ectomobile that the Ghostbusters are cleaning up the town in. Yeah, I said it, they had planned for it to be black, but then they realized, we've got a lot of night scenes, and you won't be able to see it at night, so they decided to paint it white. Yeah, it's really cool. I yeah. love it. Ecto-1. Yeah. All right. We're to my number three. Number three. Three. All right, D. This vehicle has been entered into the Library of Congress National Historic Vehicle Register. Okay. It's actually like in this glass box, like in Washington, D.C., and you can look at it like, I mean, it's like a giant toy box. It's really cool. Okay. It's like a museum piece. It's like a museum piece. I got one okay. of those coming up later. I don't think this is it, but we'll keep going. Okay. So the name of this vehicle, yeah. which has been legendary, like I've heard it my whole life, like this, if there's any car in the list that we have, this would probably be the one I choose for myself, right? This is the one I want to own. Okay. And I've heard the name my entire life and I've never known what it meant. Okay. Okay. The name of this car comes from the Piedmontese language. That is an exclamation of astonishment. Okay. So the English equivalent would be like, oh my gosh, right? Like goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The designer of this vehicle, his name is Marcello Gandini. He also worked on the Lotus Espirit that you see in The Spy Who Loved Me, which James Bond turned into a submarine. Yes. Which I'm sure will be on a list at a later date. No question. Okay? Yeah. The original MSRP on this vehicle in 1979. Yeah. $105,500. Wow. That's an expensive 40, car. 42 inches high off of the ground. 42 inches off the ground. When you drive this vehicle, the speed limit may be only 55 miles per hour, but you may feel compelled to go 160, 180, and pull over and spray paint the speed limit sign. <laughs> okay, I've got it. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, yeah, so I, I mentioned to you that I, I deliberately like pushed a few off of my possibilities list just in hopes that you would pick them. Yeah. This was one. This has got to be the Lamborghini from Cannonball Run, driven by beautiful babe herself, Adrian Barbeau. You got it. Cannonball. The name Countach, Lamborghini Countach. <laughs> sounds so inappropriate. It is an exclamation. It's. They said one of the guys who was working on the, the development of the vehicle, mm -hmm. he kept looking at it and going and saying that Italian word, Countach. Like, oh, Countach. And they, they named it after that guy because he kept saying, oh, my gosh, like, look at this. Yeah. That is perfect. That was one of our earliest episodes, Cannonball Run versus Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Woo! That black Lamborghini Countach, 1979. Beautiful. When I think of that car, I think of the early 80s going to the gift shop where they had all of the posters and flipping through trying yes. to find the most Spencers. recent. Yes, it was Coach House Gifts in Fort Smith. Trying to find the most recent Samantha Fox poster. <laughs> but invariably, there would be some ultra hot babe next to one of these cars. I had a poster of a black Lamborghini Countach in my room growing up. There you go. By the way, spandex with the front zipper <laughs> yeah. sold separately on this one. <laughs> well, hello, hot pants. I don't suppose you have a driver's license tucked down in there somewhere, do you? Yes, officer. Okay, to your number three, sir. Number three. This vehicle is unique. Had some specialized styling that they started doing with these type of vehicles in the late 50s. It has what's called a sissy bar. Yeah. This vehicle was an 86 model okay. called an 
FXR Superglide had a 1337cc V-twin engine. Okay. It is associated with Captain America. Ah, okay. Any ideas? No, nothing. In Captain America? Yeah, what type of vehicle are you going to Motorcycle? It's not a motorcycle. Okay. In the movie, it is initially owned by one of the villains, but when he is ultimately incapacitated by one of the heroes, the hero takes this vehicle away from him. He is given grace by another character, and then, as it turns out, this vehicle's name was also Grace. What in the world? Okay, you gotta give me... Is This this is outside the 80s, obviously. Yes. Is this a Marvel vehicle? It is not a Marvel vehicle. This is 90s. This is 90s. 90s, okay. 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 It was put up for auction <laughs> in I got it. November 2020 for $60,000, but... It, as a reserve, but it did not meet the reserve. So it was a little bit sussy. There probably were, as with most movie vehicles, a couple of them. And it was rumored to be a Honda that was owned by Bruce Willis. Like, I saw a video of that, but I don't think that that's right. I think this was a Harley-Davidson vehicle. Is this Zed's motorcycle? It's, it's not, a, not motorcycle. a motorcycle. It's a chopper. It's a chopper, it's baby. It's a chopper. It's a chopper. There we go. Now I understand. Okay. <laughs> I set you up for that one. Yes. And by the way, the Captain America that this vehicle is associated with is Peter Fonda, Captain America from Easy Rider, not the superhero Captain America. <laughs> That's good. Okay. I was a little bit tricky on that one. Sorry about that. But Zed's dead, baby. You threw me off the, the scent with the no, no motorcycle thing. Yes, I did. Very good. Okay, that's good. Number three. Yes. That's my one vehicle out of the 80s. Yes. Okay? Okay. Good. I'm glad we established that before I did all my research. By the way, Pulp Fiction is the movie, if people aren't yeah. fully aware. This is Pulp Fiction, and it is, a, it is the chopper. It is Grace the Chopper. All right. To my number two. Okay. Two. All right, D. So this vehicle has a 4.9 liter V8 with a Garrett TB305 turbocharger, okay. 210 horses on this vehicle. Okay. All right. Okay. This particular vehicle was fitted with nitrous oxide. I don't know if you know this, but it's like a super booster, right? It's like- Yep. Yes. Causes the vehicle to go extra fast, right? Okay. This is the one where I had to rein myself in a little bit because it, I wanted to get it in the 1980s. Okay. Okay. So this would technically be the second version of a familiar car. Okay. Okay. I think I have an idea. Okay. The original price on this, somewhere around the $8,000 range coming off the, the line in 1980. Okay. Okay. 1980 movie? Yes. Okay. Okay. I think I, I, think I got it. But it, you keep going. Okay. So this is loaded with the CB, T-tops, cowboy hat, and total lack of respect for the law are optional. <laughs> the difference between this vehicle and the original... When you look at it, you can tell no snowflake wheels. It's a certain design grid on the wheel system that you can tell. They call them snowflake wheels from the original movie. Gosh, now I'm, I'm feeling like I don't have the right answer. Okay, I'm going to make my guess. Can I make my guess Yeah, now? you bet, you bet. All right, my guess is this is a 1973 XB GT Ford Falcon from the movie Mad Max. No, you're not correct. Oh, damn. No, you're not right. All right, I don't know. Keep going. Uh, I can't believe I didn't have you with the total lack of respect for the law. So this is a 1976 Pontiac Trans Am used in the movie Smoking the Bandit. You would be correct, except this is the one from the 1980 movie. <laughs> right. 
right. So this is from Smoking the Bandit Part 2. Okay. So listen to this. After the first movie, the Smoking the Bandit from 1977, which we've talked about, we mm-hmm. compared with Cannonball Run, it was the second biggest movie in 1977 behind Star Wars. I'm sure. Star Wars is one that I, I seem to remember. Yes. yes. Okay. So the sales of this particular vehicle skyrocketed mm-hmm. after this movie. They were so overwhelmed at Pontiac, they actually had to push off the development of their third generation of this for a few years. By the way, there's a special Burt Reynolds version that was auctioned off uh, just a few years ago with his signature on the glove box. $317,000. Nice. Nice. The 1980 Pontiac Trans Am Firebird Turbo from the movie Smoking the Bandit 2. Cute. All right. Because I stayed within the 80s. My uh, When my wife and I first started dating, we you know got to know each other before she ultimately drove over to my house in her car. Uh-huh. When she drove up, it was a red Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, Trans Am Firebird, T-Tops. She gets out of the vehicle in her Papa John's uniform with <laughs> short khaki shorts on and a Corona beer in her hand. And I said, someday I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> what we have is a total lack of respect for the law right there. You might say, you might say, yeah. Okay. It's because she was thirsty, dummy. <laughs> okay. So we're to my number two now, right? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Ready. I'm not going to talk about the car first. I'm going to talk about something else. Okay. Bill Paxton was offered the role as the driver of this car, but he turned it down and he completely regretted it because the director never cast him in anything else again. Okay. So it's not a James Cameron movie. Okay. Correct. All right. All right. Now, other cars in this particular movie all have license plates that reference other movies. I'll tell you the license plates, okay? Okay. You have one license plate that says VCTN. You have one license plate that says TBC. You have one license plate that says MMOM. And you have one license plate that says 4FBDO. Okay, I know the movie. Now I got to figure out the car. Okay. So, obviously, those license plates are Vacation and Mr. Mom and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? Yes. Now, this particular vehicle, its license plate was special, but it wasn't the name of the movie. This vehicle's license plate was N-R-V-O-U-S. Let's talk about that one because that happens to be my number four. Yep. So, you mentioned there were only 56 of these vehicles produced. Yes. At this point in history, to buy one would cost you about $15 million. Yes. Now, did you say that they sold for $12,000 when they first That's came what, out? When they first came out, I, I searched the internet, and I didn't believe it, and I kept searching. And that's in 1961, when this vehicle was released, Yeah, that's the original price that I found. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not guessed it by now... This is the 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Spider, featured prominently in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, as it turns out, because these vehicles are so expensive, there was never actually a real 1961 Ferrari 250 GT used in this movie. They had three replicas. They had their hero car or driver car. Right. They had their stunt car, yes. and they had their crash car. <laughs> and by the way, Bill Paxton was offered the role not of Ferris Bueller, 
butt of one of the garage attendants who you see driving the stunt version of this car. Uh-huh. Nice that you mentioned Star Wars a moment ago because what a great Star Wars reference moment in that movie. So funny, right? When are we going to cover Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh my I, don't, gosh. I can't believe we've gone for four seasons now and have not hit it yet. Oh, what country do you think this is? <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Listen to this. So yeah. you talked about how these were not real Ferraris, right? Right. MGs. MGs, right? Yep. And so this company named Moderna Design and Development made them look like Ferrari 1961 GT California Spiders, right? Yep. Well, they actually put the emblem of Ferrari on the car. Well, Ferrari sued this company for doing that. Of course, yeah. You got to ask permission before you do stuff like that. Those aren't real Ferraris. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you talked about how movies, when they take a car, they change them. They do all this weird stuff to them. Matthew Broderick could not drive a stick shift. Yeah. So they made the car automatic transmission because he couldn't drive a stick. Yeah. They just put the stick in there, but it didn't do anything. Right. He just He played with it like he was changing gears, <laughs> but he was not. He did not know how to drive a stick. I, I'm wondering if that car crash he had in Ireland, you know, maybe he was trying to drive a manual transmission. On the wrong side of the road? On the wrong side of the road? Yep. With his sister, girlfriend, Jennifer Grey? I know. How about that? Crazy. It is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. If you were driving this car, would you take it right back? Neither would would I. I. (laughs) All he does is rub it with a diaper. (laughs) Such a beautiful car. Can you imagine how much... I mean, that... When I found out that they are now selling for $15 million, that makes that final car crash scene a lot <laughs> more impactful. Like, holy cow. Right. He really is going to kill him. He's going to murder his child after sure. this. And he's like, nope, it's going to be good. So I'm going to take the heat. So the, the crash car had no operating engine in it. Like, no transmission, no drivetrain, nothing. Right. right. It was just a body on a chassis, and that's it, right? They... Pull it out of the garage with cables as you see it come plummeting through the forest and down and crash, right? Yes, yes. So as you mentioned, like a lot of these cars, somebody found this wrecked one, restored it. It sold for over $350 million. Excuse me. Back to that. <laughs> what? It sold for over $350,000 recently. Wow. Which is weird because a little bit later... The driver car, the one that was the most pristine, the most detailed, yeah, yeah. the best looking one. The one that actually worked. It sold for 317000 Somebody's like, I want the crashed car. I don't get it, but whatever. That's that's what happened. Who understands why people with money do these things? Yeah. By the way, they, they did such a good job with this that there were Ferrari enthusiasts who were writing in going, are you out of your mind? <laughs> what did you just do? Right. Angry letters about... Wrecking a car that was not the actual car. Okay, so we're up to number one. So yeah. we got to we got to throw in our couple of honorable mentions right, here, right? right? right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so go ahead, sir. My first honorable mention. Yes. Okay, this is a four wheel drive, long body, black, nineteen eighty six version. Okay. Okay. All right. We got to be talking about a pickup truck here. Nope. Not a pickup. Not a pickup. It's four by four, long body, and it's not a it's pickup. Four wheel drive. Okay. 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 I'm. All right. It's got CD, CB, TV, telephone, full bar, VHS, 
And if you stick around with me, I know where we can find some mama bears to join us in this vehicle. This is all familiar language, but I haven't got it yet. Keep going. This vehicle is great for working. It's great for partying. It's great for taking out bad guys. And it's especially good at thumping Christmas music. So this has to be the limo driven by Argyle in Die Hard. Absolutely right. Thumping the run DMC right now. <laughs> Love it. This is Christmas music. <laughs> Such a fun one. Honorable mention. How can I? The luxury alone. Full bar VHS. He took out Theo with that car. He did. Yeah. He did. Well, Saved the, the day. And the punch. And the punch. Right? <laughs> okay. That's honorable mention number one. Yep. Honorable mention number two. Okay. Okay. This is without a doubt the vehicle. That requires the most amount of security. Okay. There's a pin code that causes an antenna to rotate around. Uh-huh. Hidden by a fake tree branch uh-huh. and a secret door. I know exactly what it is. I was hoping against hope that this would be on your list. <laughs> because it was real hard for me to keep it off of my list. Okay. okay. This has to be the Batmobile from 1989's Batman. Nope. What? No. All of those things that you said are true about the Batmobile. Shall I keep going? I guess so. The Batmobile was a near miss on my list. What? No, it can't be right that neither one of us have the Batmobile on our list. I know, right? That's not right. I know. Some some tear in the fabric of time. Are we crazy? I know, right? Right, okay. Okay. Wow, okay. Okay, stay with me now. Okay. Okay. So this is accessorized with a vintage Delta rocket, a Hollywood Spitfire fender, fins... Saddlebags, compass with a lion's head on it. It's so beautiful when you see it, you're compelled to say, Good morning. It's me. Created from an Excelsior Schwinn. Is this where you deviate too hard from the list and we're talking about a bicycle? Yes. <laughs> Are you talking about Pee Wee Herman's bicycle? This is Pee Wee's bicycle. I was so close. <laughs> was so close. Two Tim Burton movies. I know, right? That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I am I am nowhere near <laughs> the the Pee-wee mega fan that you are. So I did not know all of these features that are involved with the Pee-wee Herman bicycle. This became a deadly weapon known as the X1 in the Pee-wee movie <laughs> shown at the end of the thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I saw that you can actually purchase this Excelsior Schwinn on Facebook for around $500. And then you've got to buy all the parts and put it all together. And I saw a guy do it. Looks great. I cannot believe that major list. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's so you, good. It causes road mention. trips. It causes oh, trips to God. the Alamo. All right. You got to look <laughs> in the basement. You left off the Batmobile <laughs> for that. What did you leave? Okay, well, let's hear what you left off the Batmobile for. All right. All right. You ready? Ready. Here are my honorable mentions. Okay. Okay. This vehicle is a third generation 1974 Dodge Monaco. Do you know it? No. I didn't think so. It is specialized, and I'll tell you how in a little bit. This movie that it's in set a record for the most cars wrecked in a movie. It is involved in an epic chase against the American Socialist White People's Party, (laughs) which you can say asswipe for short. (laughs) It's a 1980 movie that actually resulted in Carrie Fisher 
getting engaged to Dan Aykroyd because he saved her from choking by giving her the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> uh, this has got to be Jake and Elwood Blues's police car from yep. the Blues Brothers. Yep. Nineteen eighty Blues Brothers, fantastic! Wow, that's a good one. You have that epic chase, and then the car does a, a full on flip through the air, and they land and keep going. You know the crash scene through the mall. You know, I mean, John Landis. We know what kind of a wild card he was. Yeah. Who knows how many people were nearly killed in that in that car crash, driving through the mall, and all that stuff. Yeah. We love John Landis movies, and this is one at the top of the list. Absolutely, and we still haven't covered it either. We gotta get. We gotta. We gotta cover the. Blues we gotta Brothers cover. Eventually. Yeah, for sure. All right. My second honorable mention is 1981 car. It was a Grand Touring supercar. They were produced from 1978 to 1995. This one is the 928 model. It was the first production that was a V8 powered model. When it first came out in 1978, it won the European Car of the Year. Initially, this model was intended to replace the. 911. Got it yet? If not, here you go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. You say 911, I say Porsche. They left the keys to the brand new Porsche. Will they <laughs> mind? Mm, well, of course not. I think that line has to be inspired by this movie, which involved a chase. I told you we're going to have stories about hookers and blow. Yeah, you're right. Chased by Lana's pimp Guido. Yeah. What yes. a perfect pimp name. <laughs> and the plot of the movie. The hook involves generating enough money to pay for the damages to this car when it gets dropped in the lake. This is Risky Business with Tom Cruise. You got it. Just take those old records off the shelf. I said listen to them by myself. 1981 Porsche 928. If there was, for me, a, like, there is no more iconic dream car of the 80s most guys would have said lamborghini for my brother who is my hero as a little kid his was always the porsche and so can't beat the porsche you know that moment in the movie when it's it's falling in the lake and he's panicking mm -hmm. and trying desperately to keep it out it inspires panic in me i'm like ah. it's so perfectly done because he's on the hood and he's doing everything he's he can pushing, he's pushing it, and yeah. it won't stop and it won't stop and then finally it just stops on the pier and then the pier falls into the yeah. water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that whole movie is just tense, you know? Yeah. I I, I kind of wondered as I was thinking about this, I'm like, I wonder if I could do the L train. Because that was a pretty good scene, too. Goals. Ooh. Goals. Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, that, we're on to our number one. We're on to our number one. I've told my hooker story. I, we got some blow coming, I feel like. One. Okay. <laughs> All this, right. I, I will be shocked if this is not, my number one is not your number one. Well, does your number one involve cocaine? It does not. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you got, you're going to have to go then. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so this car prominently featured in a prominent movie, one of the most iconic movies of the 1980s, for sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The car actually didn't function well, broke down a lot. Had its issues. We have the same car. You're just forgetting a key part of the story. 
Okay. I, I now that you say that, I do remember cocaine being involved in this. <laughs> yes. Okay. So so this was, I believe, our our second or third comparison that we did in the podcast, and we talked about the the cars maker, right? Who he had he had started off working for Pontiac, working for GM. And uh, he was responsible for the Pontiac GTO. He wanted to do a smaller car with a bigger engine to make him more f- powerful. Inspired right. the Beach Boys, right? Yeah. GTO. Yeah, yeah. He rises to prominence with GM and then develops a midlife crisis, divorces his wife, starts living like a rock star, making friends with everybody, and decides to start his own car company. Yes. My clue for you on this one was... Johnny Carson invested $500,000 in this car company. Whoa. Part of the deal was he gets one of the first ones that they produce. Yeah. Which he did. And it broke down on him just a few miles away from the lot. (laughs) And they said, no problem, sir. We have a rescue car replacement. We will be right out to you. They drove him the rescue car replacement. He switched vehicles, and then that car broke down just a few miles no later. No way. This car was an absolute dud, despite the fact that it looked like it was going to be incredible uh-huh. because it could not perform. It probably couldn't even get up to 88 miles an hour. <laughs> okay, so... You will recognize this car from its amazing gullwing doors, which malfunctioned while you're watching Back to the Future. (laughs) When you see the door go up, they were shooting in California. It was cold. Yeah. And the gas that sort of projects the door up was not working properly. That's why Christopher Lloyd hits his head on the door getting out. (laughs) This car was originally supposed to be a refrigerator in the movie, like the original script by Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis. But then they started saying, well, he kind of needs to get around town. Yeah. So let's make it a car. Yep. Supposed to be a refrigerator involved in a nuclear explosion. Good thing nobody pursued that ridiculous idea. Oh, don't even bring that up. (laughs) So remind everybody what the cocaine part of this story is. Oh, yeah. So the the company, his car company, is failing. Like flailing, failing bad. Right. And he's been living a rock star lifestyle, right? And so he decides, oh, maybe I can make up the difference here. By selling 27 kilos of cocaine. <laughs> and for those of you who are not um, from the EU or drug dealers, 27 kilos is about 59 pounds of cocaine. Wow. And um, unfortunately, the neighbor that he was talking to about making that little transaction also happened to be an informant for the FBI. Uh-huh. He was ultimately charged in 1982 with this cocaine thing. But he was acquitted of all charges. Unfortunately, he continued to get sued by investors that he bilked money from, fraudulent actions for the rest of his life, which he he lived all the way up until 2005. He died in a one-room apartment in New Jersey. No way. Yeah. Gosh, that's terrible. Yeah. Burn it bright at both ends. Yeah. Yeah. 59 pounds of cocaine? Yeah. Somebody called Crockett and Tubbs. Let's go. (laughs) So here's the thing. Listen to this. Ford came to Bob Gale and said, how about we make it a Mustang and we'll throw in 75 grand? And Bob Gale said, Doc Brown is not going to ride an effing Mustang. 
Wow. So if you haven't guessed it yet, ladies and gentlemen, this is 1985 movie Back to the Future. And you made a time machine out of a DeLorean? So here's the interesting thing. I, I just learned this fact, and we studied Back to the Future. Yeah. The speedometer that is shown in the movie is a total fake. Yeah. Despite the speedometer shows that it can go up to 135 miles per hour. Yeah. They didn't make speedometers that showed that <laughs> because it was illegal, and they wouldn't show it that high. Right. They didn't want people trying it out, you know? Yeah. And the three colors on the time machine coordinates, the green, the yellow, and the red, that's an homage to H.G. Wells' time machine story. Wow. Where the green, the yellow, and the red represent different areas of time. Well, you mentioned earlier that there was a car for sale for $12,000, and I got a little confused because I thought it had to be this one, right? Right, right, right. And right. I'm like, there's no way that it's this low on your list. I was just wrong. Yes. But this car was the DeLorean DMC-12, mm-hmm. which was called 12 because it was going to sell for $12,000, which is not super expensive. But when you get the fact that it doesn't work... Like, even when it works properly, it doesn't live up to the promises that John DeLorean had made about this thing. This car would have been noted for its dismal failure, but for this movie. And now, there's literally a company that will make you a replica Time Machine DeLorean, if you so choose. Probably not for $12,000, though. Right, right. You know who drives a DeLorean? Our friend Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein, that's right. One, it, I think his like is one of the replicas. There were three cars, just like Ferris Bueller. There were three cars for the movie. You had the hero car. That one is currently in the Peterson Automotive Museum. Um, you had the stunt car. And the, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Peterson <laughs> Museum? <laughs> George Peterson? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you had the stunt car. That's the one that gets hit by the train. And then you have the C car, which is the, the interior footage. Like all the interior footage is shot in a different car, right? Which we learned that trick from Cujo. Yes, yes. And so the stunt car that got hit by the train, all of those pieces then were collected and people would make replicas just using one piece or so of the car so that they could say, hey, some of this was in the original movie. Yep. Some of it ended up on the ceiling of the Planet Hollywood in Hawaii, was there until that place closed down. Wow. By the way, I just watched an episode of a TV show called Expedition Unknown. Yeah. Love the show. It's so much fun. And the host, Josh Gates, he traveled around, went to all the restored DeLoreans and found them, and you can see them. It's pretty cool. As you mentioned, with one of the other cars, this car as well in 2021 was added to the Library of Congress National Historic Vehicle Register, which never would have happened but for the movie. I think about Johnny Carson in that car, and I think, huh. Most accurate scene in the movie is just before the lightning strike when the car won't start. Yes. Maybe Johnny Carson should have slammed his head against the steering wheel. (laughs) That's good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We landed, we both landed on what is probably the most iconic, except for the Batmobile, which I still can't fathom how neither one of us had on the list. That's We're going to have to make up for that somewhere. We just apologize, and I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Right, right. Other than the Batmobile, we realized we missed it on that one. 
tell us what cars we missed. You know, hit us up on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. Hit us up on Facebook at Shirley Podcast. Send us an email. We love it when we get emails from you guys. You can catch us, ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. And tell us what you think. Did we get it right? Did we were wrong? What are your cars of choice? Hey, you know what we really love, too? Five-star reviews. Guys, if you've listened to the end of the episode, please, the least you can do for us, hit that review button, give us a little five-star rating, and if you feel inclined to say something salty, go ahead. Yeah. We'd love to hear the we love to hear the reviews, so give us what you got. Here's a review we just got from somebody named Manzer Till Midnight. Manzer Till Midnight, if you're listening now, please send us an email or yeah. hit us up on Twitter and tell us who you really are. Yeah, yeah. But he said, he's referring to the Raising Arizona, the Big Lebowski episode. He said, great episode once again, playing catch-up still, two of my favorite movies of all time. He mentions that Jeff Dowd was also part of the Seattle 7, unless I missed you mention- mentioning him. I did mention him. I mentioned he was part of the Seattle 7. And then he said, P.S., if you need officiating, I'm an adorned dudist priest. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Those Thank you so much that for that have. review. That is really cool. And guys, if you want to be a part of our extra special Patreon family, it's super easy to do. You just go over to patreon.com backslash Shirley Podcast. And for as little as five bucks a month, you get access to all of our One Hit Wondered episodes where we keep it a little more friendly, a little more fun, and delve into just one song of the One Hit Wonders of the 80s and beyond. Check us out on Patreon. We've got a lot of fun stuff over there. Guys, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.